as John mentioned, I'm Tommy Green. I'm the associate pastor here at Centerpoint, and I am excited about the message I'm going to share with you this morning. As a matter of fact, inside your bulletin, you're going to find an insert with an outline on it entitled The Children of God. And if you need to pin to fill in the blanks and take some notes as you follow along, if you raise your hand, our ushers will come by and take care of that for you. A couple of weeks ago on Labor Day weekend, I had the opportunity to take um, my oldest son up to northern Arkansas where we met my father and the three of us got to go trout fishing down the White River. It was a wonderful time. We got to catch a lot of fish and beautiful scenery. And uh, we were sitting in the boat and, and this thought came over me, what a great and awesome experience this is. Here I am fishing with three generations all together doing something that we all love. And so I did what any sensible person would do at that moment. I took out my phone, and I took a selfie. (laughs) What else do you do at a moment like that, right? Yeah, the truth be told, we had a wonderful time. We caught lots of fish, beautiful scenery. But the thing that I'll remember most about that trip isn't the fish or the scenery. It's a conversation that I had with my dad. Late one evening, uh, we were talking, and he began to tell me how proud he was of the person that I had become. He began to tell me that how much he enjoyed being my dad and how he looked forward to the times that we got to spend together fishing and doing things like that. And, you know, my dad had told me similar stuff before, but there's something about this moment that just really hit my heart in a unique way and actually inspired me. And on the way back home, I told my son the same thing. I told him how happy I was and how glad and proud I was to be his father and what a good kid he was and how much I enjoy these trips that we take together. Now, as I was driving back from Arkansas on that nine-hour trip back, I was just thinking and just pondering, and this thought came to me that I have lived a privileged life, not because I had a lot of money growing up, because I didn't, not because I got a lot of money now, because I don't but because I have had great and wonderful relationships with my dad and my mom. I have a great relationship with my family, with my wife, and with my kids. And I have a great relationship with a loving God who is my heavenly Father who loves me more than my earthly father does, who enjoys being my father more than my earthly father does, who wants to lead me and guide me and direct me and teach me, and be a father to me. So this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about. Matter of fact, point one on your outline states that it's a great privilege to be called a son or daughter of God. John 1.12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. If you would, I would love for you to underline the word believed and the word accepted and circle the word right. Because those who are the children of God have believed him and accepted him. And then he gave the right or the privilege to be called the children of God. Many people believe that we're all children of God. And that's not the truth. All of us are God's creation. And God loves his creation. But to be a child of God, you must first believe that he is who he says he is. You must accept that he sent Jesus Christ into this world to pay for the penalties of your sins and for my sins, and that he was beaten and crucified and put to death and was buried, and on the third days he rose again, so that you and I may have a wonderful relationship with our Father. 
Not only that, you have to follow his direction in your life. Listen to what Romans 8.14 says. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. If you would, circle the word led. For all who are led by God's Spirit are his children. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. That word Abba Father means daddy. It means papa. It's a term that means that it's a father who's very close to you in relationship, not a father that's far away and distant. For his spirit joins with our spirits to affirm that we are God's children. I have been blessed to be adopted into God's family. And my father, my heavenly father, is for me. I know that. And if he is for me, who can be against me? And that's a privilege. Here's the truth. That invitation is open to all of us. It's an open invitation. But to become a child of God, you must first believe he is who he is. You must accept who he is. And you must follow his direction in your life. It is a personal invitation. Matter of fact, here's a note on your outline. God does not have grandchildren. If I've heard John Schmidt say that once, I've heard him say it a thousand times. And he's right. God does not have grandchildren. Each of us must individually choose God for ourselves. He has to become our father. I was in college and I had a, was a group of friends were all hanging out, I remember. And uh, we were all talking about what church we went to. And we were all kind of getting to know each other and... I asked this one guy, I said, hey, well, what church do you go to? What, tell me about your relationship with God. He goes, ah, oh. he said, my mom has enough religion for my whole family. I'm good. And I thought to myself, no, you're not good. It doesn't matter what kind of relationship and what kind of religion your granddad had or your mom or your dad, your brother, your sister, your spouse. It matters what kind of relationship you have with him. All of us have to choose individually to believe him, to accept him, and to follow his direction in our life. Here's a life application for us. God's children allow God's spirit to direct their lives. They do. Psalms 32.8 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. If we're not allowing God to direct our lives, we must ask ourselves the question, why? Why? Is it because we're not his children? Is it because we're stubborn? Is it because we've allowed other things to take Father God's place in our life, it's because we're selfish. If we're not allowing God to direct our lives, which is what his desire is, we must ask ourselves, why? Some people don't allow God to direct their lives because of this one simple reason. They don't understand how good he is. They don't understand that he's a loving father who wants the best for our lives. matter of fact, some people, when they hear God it's called their father and that he wants to direct their lives. They have a, 
adverse reaction to that because they think that he's out to get them. Matter of fact, some people respond to that thought kind of like this video clip right here. I am the Father. Okay, now that might be a little over the top. <laughs> but the truth of it is some people don't trust God to direct their lives because they have a wrong view of who God is. They don't understand who he is. And here's a life application for us. We must trust that our Heavenly Father wants what's best for us. Matter of fact, out beside wants, I want you to put the word knows. Because not only does God want what's best for us, he knows what's best for us. Matthew 7, 9 through 11 says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? As an earthly father who has a sinful nature, there are times that I know what is best for my kids. Matter of fact, it wasn't long ago that one of my, my oldest son was, he was saving up money to buy a little Game Boy, a little video Game Boy. I told him that he could do that if he saved up his own money. So he was about halfway there. He was he about half the money to get this uh, little Game Boy. And it was Christmas time, and we're walking through one of the stores, and my son sees this remote control helicopter. And he says, Dad, I got to have that. I got to have that. And I said, well, son, I'm, I'm not going to buy it for you. He goes, Dad, I'll tell you what, I'm going to use my own money to buy it. And I said, son, you've been saving up your money for a Game Boy. Isn't that what you really want? Yeah, I want that. But, Dad, I really want this helicopter. And I said, son, I don't think that's a good idea. I advise that you don't do that. But it's your money, and you've been saving up. And if that's what you want to get, you can get it. So he purchased it, and we brought it back home, and when we got it home before he opened it, I said, listen, you haven't opened it yet, and one of the things your father does that I do is I always like to go online and look at reviews of products before I buy it to see if it's any good. He said, you want to do that? Yeah, we'll look at that, and we'll do that. So we looked at the reviews, and of course the reviews were horrific. Bad product, rating one, you know, all that. And he read all that, and, and, and I said, well, do you want to take it back? He goes, well, Dad, can't I just can I just take it out of the box and fly it around the house a little bit and see if I really want it? I said, well, son, as soon as you take it out of the box, it's yours. I said, but you can do what you want. And I walked into the other room. About three minutes later, I hear this flying all around the house. And I, so he decided to keep it. And he comes in the house and around the room, and I said, so you decided to keep it? Yeah, Dad, I'm excited. This is awesome. I said, well, good. So for about 15 minutes, I'm hearing the sound all around the house, and he's learning how to control it. And then all of a sudden, it's no longer do I hear the noise. And he comes walking into the room that I am. He's all dejected, look on his face. And he pulls out the helicopter, and the propeller is off to the side. Daddy, it broke. I said, yeah, that's what the review said would happen. He says, but Dad what do I do? And I said, well, you bought it with your money. He goes, well, Dad, I just wasted my money. I said, mm-hmm. And then he looked at me and he said, 
I really should have listened to you. And he walked out of the room. And I went, yes! <laughs> what a teachable moment. But you know, the truth is that we do the same thing to God. God tells us what's best for our lives. But we say, I don't care what you say. I want to do what I want to do. And yet, me being an earthly father with a sinful nature know what was best for my son, and I don't trust the God of heaven who knows the beginning from the end, that he knows what's best for my life. We have a God who loves us and knows what's best for our lives. But, you know, many of us in this room, we view God as our father the same way that we viewed our earthly fathers. And all of us had different fathers in here. You lived with a father who you didn't think had enough time for you. Guess what? You don't think that God, our Heavenly Father, has enough time for you. If you had a father that you felt like you could never please, then you respond to God one of two ways. You just decide that you're not going to try to please him, or you'll go over the top to try to get his attention. And you'll do a lot of good works in the sake of trying to make God be happy with you. I was talking to a girl last night and we were discussing the subject and she told me that she grew up and she didn't have a father. And so it's been a process of learning that her heavenly father loves her and cares for her and is always there for her. And here's a note for us this morning. Unlike earthly fathers, God is a perfect father He is perfect in all that he does. And he parents us well. Listen to what Psalms 103 says. The Lord is like a father to his children. He's tender and compassionate to those who fear him. The love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. Salvation extends to the children's children, to those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commands. He is a compassionate and a tender and a loving Father who knows what's best for our lives. Even when the Father disciplines us and corrects us, He does it in the right manner, in the right spirit, and for the right purposes. Listen to what Hebrews says. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Even when God corrects us, he does it in the right way. It is a privilege to be one of his kids. It is awesome to be called a child of God. But not only is it a privilege, point two on your outline states that it is a great responsibility to be a son or daughter of God. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Every good relationship, which is what God wants for our lives, He wants us to have good relationship with him. That's his whole heart. Okay? So every good relationship, each person involved in that relationship must be faithful to specific responsibilities to make that relationship work. 
I don't care if it's a marriage, if it's in the family, if it's in the workplace, if it's a friend, if it's at church. All relationships that are good and healthy, each party in that relationship must be faithful to carry out specific responsibilities to make that relationship work. In our relationship with God, it's no different. God's responsibility was to make sure that we had a way that made it possible for us to have a good relationship with him. He did that by sending his very best to earth. He sent his very own son to be spit upon, to be beaten, to be crucified so that you and I may have a right relationship with him. His responsibility now is to lead us and to guide us down the pathway that is best suited for us to be most effective for his kingdom and to bring him the most glory. Our responsibility in the relationship is, number one, is to trust him, to believe who he says he is, to accept him, to follow him, and then also to say yes to whatever he asks of our lives. God gave his all to us. Our responsibility is to give our all back to him. Every good and healthy relationship is based on this principle. All good and healthy relationship is all about serving the other person, not being self-serving. That's what God's heart is for us. Listen to what Colossians 1.10 says. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. The Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter both uh, understood this principle. They understood that they were to say yes to whatever part God had them play in his kingdom. Listen to what Paul said. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. Paul understood that his responsibility, the part that God wanted him to play in furthering his kingdom, was to preach to the Gentiles. Peter understood that his responsibility and what God had called him to do was to preach to the Jews. Here's a life application for us in that. God has specific assignments for each of us. And I want you to write your name there. God has specific assignments for Tommy. God has specific assignments for Todd. God has specific assignments for Larry. God has specific assignments for Susan. You put your name in there because he has a specific assignment for you. Listen to what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now there are things that God has called all of us to do. And we're going to be talking about that in our next series called It's All About Relationships. And I'm telling you, if you want to know what Centerpoint's all about, about all of what we believe, do not miss the series coming up next week. But part of what God has called us to do that we'll be talking about, God's called all of us to love God more. God has called all of us to love each other more. And he's called all of us to love more people. But how that is played out in our individual lives looks different. What that looks like for you looks different for me because God has given us each specific assignments to carry out. There's some of you in this room that are moms, that are stay-at-home moms, that God has called you to be a stay-at-home mom and to pour into your children for this season of your life. 
And that's the assignment God has for you. There's other moms in this place that God has called you into the workplace and called you to make a difference there and to pour into your lives of your kids at home as well. But that's the assignment that God has for you. There's some of you in this place that God has called you to be a connect group leader. Some of you, God's called to be a ministry coordinator or volunteer. Some of you, God's called to work with the nursery. Some God has called to work with the youth. Some has called, God's called you to be a greeter. Some called you to be, a, be on the tech team. What part has God called you to play? And here's a life application for us. I must focus on fulfilling God's assignment for me and not compare myself to others. It's so easy to get our eyes all focused on what someone else is doing for God or what God has called someone else to do or how, what their life looks like. And we forget to focus on what God has called us to do. I have a brother that's two years um, younger than me. And to say that we were competitive growing up is an understatement. Matter of fact, if we're playing ping pong together, you probably don't want to be in the room. I mean, it's just, it's on. You know what I'm saying? We've always been very competitive with each other. Matter of fact, I remember when I was in college, I had come home from college, and he had come there, it was holidays, and all of a sudden we're gathered around the family, and we're talking about stuff, and all of a sudden he pulls out a guitar, and he starts playing the guitar. Guess what I did the following week? I went and got a guitar and learned how to play it. So truth be told, the reason I know how to play the guitar isn't because I love the music. It's because if he could do it, by golly, I could do it too. <laughs> We're very competitive. And my brother is an amazing, amazing uh, child of God. And matter of fact, um, it's in the ministry. And about six months ago, the Lord began to prompt his heart and put a call on his heart to be a missionary in Belize. And so two months ago, he packed everything that he owns into seven suitcases, sold his business, sold his house, and moved his family to Belize. And he's doing an amazing work there. And the stories I hear and the posts I see on Facebook are just unbelievable what God is doing with him because he was willing to say yes to that assignment. Now, I could sit here today... And I could compare myself with him and say, you know what? He has given everything he has to go follow the call of God on his life. Man, I'm just nothing. But you know what? That is the specific assignment that he has for him. This is the specific assignment that he has for me. And if I get so focused on what God's doing with him, I won't fulfill what God has for me. We've got to stop judging ourselves. In fact, the scripture says when we judge ourselves by ourselves that we make ourselves out to be foolish. And we've got to stop that. 1 Corinthians 12 says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. The body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Would you underline that last statement? 
God has put each part just where he wants it. Eugene Peterson in the message translated Galatians 5.26 this way. We will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. You're an original. And God's call on your life is unique. And only you can fulfill it. Here's another note for us this morning. God is pleased by obedience and faithfulness. He's pleased. Now when I make that statement, I want to clarify that for you this morning. Father God loves you because you're his children. And I understand this because I have children and there is nothing that my kids could do that would cause me to love them any more than what I love them right now. And there's nothing they could do that could cause me to love them any less. I love them because they're my kids. They're my kids. They belong to me. Well, as God's children or God's child, God loves me because I belong to him. But you know what? There are things that cause him to smile. When I walk into, my, uh, when I walk into the room at home and my little seven-year-old daughter is at the table and she's writing a book, which she does all the time because she loves to write and to draw and to, to illustrate things. I walk into that room and it makes me happy because I feel like she's doing what she was created to do. When I walk in and my son is doing his homework and he's doing it with a smile on his face, that makes me happy. I love it when he comes and says, Dad, will you help me with what I'm doing? It's all about relationships to God. He loves it when we fulfill the things that he has laid out for our lives to do. Listen to what 1 Samuel 15, 22 says. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifice or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Let me explain this. Jesus had, had, had a parable. And he spoke it to his disciples. And he talked about a master who had three servants. And he gave one of those servants one talent. He gave one of those servants two talents. And another one of those servants, he gave five talents. And he expected those servants to do something with what they were given. And the one with one talent came back and he had buried it and didn't do anything with it. And the master was not happy with him. The one with two came back and he had actually done something with what he had given. He had doubled his talents. He had made the most use of what he had and it made the master very happy. The one with five came back and he had done the same thing. He had taken the five. He had made it ten. He had invested. He had done the best with what he was given. And this is how the master replied. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, all of us love hearing someone that we respect and someone that we love say, good job. I mean, don't you love that when someone says, you did a good job, I'm proud of you. We all love that. And can I tell you the greatest 
desire of my life is to hear my Heavenly Father say, Good job, son. You've been faithful. I'm well pleased with you. And you know, I want to hear him say that not because I need his approval, but because I want to please him. Because I have a, in a relationship with a loving God that I want to please and to bless. And that's why I want to hear him say that. You see, you've got to understand it's all about relationships with God. And when God calls you to a specific task, it's not that he's calling you to a task and saying, here, go do this, and when you get done, come back, and we'll see how well you did. I mean, when, my, when God called my brother to go to Belize and to leave everything he had to go Belize, he didn't say, hey, I want you to go Belize, go do your job, and when you get back, we'll see how well you've done. That's not what God does. When God asks us to fulfill a task, it's actually an invitation to join in, join with him to fulfill his purposes on this earth. So when God asked my brother to go to Belize, it was more like, hey, I'm fixing to do something to Belize. Do you want to join me? When God calls you to be a cadet group leader, he says, hey, I want to do something with a group of people. Do you want to be a cadet group leader? You'll be a part of that? Come join me. When he calls you to be a greeter, he says, I want to love people coming into my church. Do you want to join me? Hey, you want to join me be in the tech, tech department back there? Because there's a third of the people that are getting ministered to from this message that are going through that tech department right now. Do you want to join me? See, it's all about relationships with him. And when we join God, he wants to join with us to accomplish his purposes. Listen to what Philippians 2.13 says. I didn't write it down today, but we read it all the time. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. See, it's God who works in us and through us to accomplish his purposes on the earth. We're his hands and feet. And so when God is happy, when I say that God is pleased with our obedience and our faithfulness, it's because it deepens our relationship with him. When we join with him and we work with him, it makes our relationship stronger. You take a group of people who have a common task and you put them together and you ask them to fulfill it, guess what? They grow closer together. Ask any football team. Go on a mission trip. Find something that you're doing in common with people and it will draw you closer with each other. And that's why God is pleased with our obedience and our faithfulness. The last application, last life application I want to share with you this morning is this. We must obey God and leave the consequences to Him. We live in a society who measures success by how well we do tasks, by how talented we are, by how much we get accomplished. And that's not how God views success. God views success were you faithful and obedient to do what I asked you to do? Were you a faithful son? Were you a faithful daughter? That's what puts a smile on his face. Listen to what uh, Corinthians 3, 6 says. I planted the seed in your heart and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. So neither the one who planted it nor the one who watered it is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Only God who makes things grow. We need to be faithful to do what he's asked us to do. When I was an minister at another church, we had a 
huge benevolence ministry and a food pantry. And every week we would have a worship service for those that were in need. And we would give out groceries to them. And we would help them in a lot of ways. And, you know, in that type of ministry, sometimes you can get hard-hearted because you think you're being faithful to what God has called you to do, but yet the results of what you're doing don't add up to what your expectations are and your hope of what it would accomplish. And there were times that I would begin to get hard-hearted and God would remind me that it's not up to you to uh, determine the results of what I've called you to do, whether they squander the things that you've given them or they're faithful to it. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to do what I told you to do, and that is to help the poor. And so there are times in our life we, we think that God's called us to do something. We go, well, you know what? That didn't go the way that I thought it should, so it must not have been God. No, it was probably God. He just wants to know if you'll join with him and do the things that he's asked you to do. Now, Jesus was the perfect example of what a good and faithful child was to his father that had a good relationship. And this is what he said about himself. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. Another scripture says that he didn't do anything unless he saw the father do it. That was his heart. Was to join in God and what he was doing and to be a good son. We serve a really good God who really loves you who's really pleased with you, who really wants to join with you to further his kingdom. And it's a privilege to be one of his kids. But it's also a responsibility to act like his kids. Will you pray with me? Father, we come before you this morning with hearts of gratitude and with the understanding that I am thrilled to be called one of your kids. Lord, I've lived a privileged life because I have a relationship with the God of the universe who's for me, who's not against me, who desires to have a relationship with me, who's tender and compassionate, full of mercy full of love, who knows what's best for my life, and who desires to guide and to lead me down the path that will most be effective for your kingdom and bring you the most glory. Father, I pray that we would examine ourselves this morning and ask ourselves, is there anything that's hindering me from being a good son? or being a good daughter? Is there anything that's hindering me from joining with you in what you've called me to do? Is there anything that's keeping me from allowing you to lead me in this life? And Lord, if there is, would you show me? Is it my pride? Is it my selfishness? Is it that I don't trust you? That I have a wrong understanding of who you are? Whatever it is, Father, I pray that you would show me and you would help me get rid of it because I want to trust you with everything that I have. I want to trust you and acknowledge you and lean on you in every situation of my life knowing that you will make my path straight and you will guide me. 
Lord, I pray that we would live our lives with the understanding that we're your children and that we represent you on this earth, that we're your ambassadors called to bring other people into the family. Would you help us do that? Lord, I love you. And Lord, I know that you love me. And I know that you love your children and you're for them. I pray that you would plant that deep into their hearts. And I pray that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ.